This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio, with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms, and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are listening from, whatever time this is, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the first, the inaugural Red Alert podcast. So this, guys, is a monthly review of everything on and off the field for Liverpool, which, Christ, there's been a lot recently, hasn't it? As we look back at January and look a bit ahead to February, we'll see with how much optimism. So, my name is Dave Davis. I'm one of your regular hosts. I am joining you from a dark and cold Edinburgh. I'm very pleased to say someone literally just up the road, a good pal of mine, is joining me tonight. So we've got Mark Evans with us. Mark, how are you? Not bad, mate. Not bad. Looking forward to this. Good Some, stuff. Uh, yeah. little uh, trip down memory lane of a pretty tough month for the, for the Reds. I'm not going to lie, I've tried to wipe most of it from my memory, but in all honesty, we are going to have to revisit certain things and look back. So we'll be having a look, ladies and gents, like we said, at everything on the field for January. We'll have a look at off the field and Christ, we might be spending some time on that. And then looking ahead to anything we see in the short term future brewing in February, which again, will probably not be a quick section. So Without further ado, Mark, let's get straight into it. So on the field in January, Christ, what a month. So it started with the Brentford defeat away. We had the Wolves FA Cup draw at home, the 2-2. We had the Brighton defeat, didn't we? The 3-0 were Jurgen Klopp's official worst ever performance, as he dubbed it. We then had a, a slight bit of hope, I suppose you could say, with the, the Wolves away win, the 1-0. Then we had the Turgeon nil-nil with Chelsea at home and we finished the month with that 2-1 defeat the other weekend at Brighton in the FA Cup. So probably a difficult one to start, but let's get straight into it. When you look back at that now, Mark, honest appraisal that you'd give it around, I suppose, the results, but also the performances that you saw as well. Yeah, so I'll, I'll kind of I'll go game by game and give you you know my my laydown of all of it. Um, the mostly mostly lows, but uh, the odd flicker of of a high. And uh, I mean, you have to go back to get context on it. You have to go back and remember that we came into January off the back of two wins against Leicester and Villa. True. Dare I say, had a little bit of optimism coming into the month. Also, the transfer window was opening, you know, so that, that brought a little bit of optimism and. Uh, I think when we came to the Brentford game and got so comfortably beaten, that was uh, that was like the, the you know the sign of the month to come for me. Yeah, and, uh, the, it, it wasn't just the defeat; it was kind of the manner of it. You know, you started to get this feeling that any team with legs could could run us. You know, could outdo us in midfield. And 
we would just see see the game run away from us. And the bad thing about that is you know, the Premier League's full of legs. There's almost no team that can't outrun us, it seems, at the moment. Yeah. Uh, Brentford was yeah the first sign of that. So they walked over us really, and uh, we didn't ever really look like look like getting back into it. Ox scored, and you know briefly there was a could we, and then you know they they took it away from us and went three one. After that, we've uh, it's Wolves in uh, in the FA Cup, and uh, I mean. We took them to the replay. It's two two, but for me, we didn't deserve that one either. Really, I mean, true. Salah's uh, Salah's goal at the end. I, I'm really not for that kind of rule change that's come uh, where those are on side. I mean, you saw it in the the Manchester derby as well with that Rashford goal. They yeah. just they just seem such blatant offsides to me. Those and you felt it at the time. You know, it was one of those when you were watching it. You 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 just felt that was offside. And uh, when it goes through the VR process and still sticks with it, yeah, just very odd. And they had uh, they had one chopped off as well, didn't they? That was uh, you know very very debatable. So, yeah, the famous VAR couldn't quite make it out. I think was the description at the time. That's right. It? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, it, you, you can't really ask for much more luck than that in, in a single game. And uh, so we take them to the replay. And uh, and yeah, and then we go on to our our third game of the month, which is Brighton away in the league, and that is, I mean, that's for me the low point of uh, of the month of January and what has been a low month, because not only did we get comfortably beaten, easily beaten, I, I think the bit that really hurt the most as a fan was we kind of all saw it coming. You know, we were. How often do you go Liverpool versus Brighton, and you genuinely fancy them? I really did. I fancied Brighton going into that. I just. For, for all the reasons that they did go on to to win, their their midfield just has legs that we don't. And I really, really thought if they got their tails up, we wouldn't live with them. And we didn't really, did we? We uh, yeah, we barely laid a glove on Brighton. That was, I mean, like you said, Klopp called it the worst game ever. I I can't think of many worse myself. I mean, you'd have to go back to you'd have to go back to maybe like Gerrard's final game or something like that. You know, for one that really stung like that in the league, just abject really really was it was as low as you can get from Liverpool yeah and, uh, and then what what was next up was it Wolves replay yeah um yeah that that one again kind of like the start of the month there was a little flicker of optimism going into that when I saw the lineup I liked what he did there it was very obvious to all of us as I've said a couple of times here the midfield was just starting to get overrun in every single game it played and it, it yeah. was crying out for a signing or a change or something. And he, he went away. I didn't really see him going, to be honest. I didn't think he would ever kind of go. I mean, Naby's barely played all season, so he comes in. And then the real surprise is Bajetic takes Fabinho's role in the sitting uh, position. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's one of those ones where, like, on paper, you've kind of thought, well, why not that often? And Klopp never goes for it, so you think maybe there's a reason that that wouldn't work. And he does go for it here, and it did work. We did look a lot closer in midfield to what we've come to expect of this sort of high-pressing, intense Liverpool team. And uh, I thought Bajetic in particular made a huge difference. I thought he, he was combative. He, he got his foot in, and he was reasonably composed. He jinked past a couple. There was... One of those sort of classic Twitter uh, compilation videos going round after the game, you know, of every sort of meaningful thing he did in the game. And it was oh, really the, impressive. The, the drop the shoulder as well. That yeah, the shoulder that drop. Was... Yeah, that was the real highlight, wasn't it? It was brilliant. It really was. And uh, again, so then you start thinking, OK, if, if the midfield's taken again, we've still got Salah, Gakpo's coming in at this stage, and you're thinking, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe the, the form we're looking for is just round the corner now. And uh, unfortunately, the Chelsea game didn't really push us on any further than what we'd seen in the Wolves game. You know, we were still more solid. The midfield still competed well, but we were ultimately pretty blunt, weren't we? I mean, we didn't we didn't threaten them. You and I were at the game. We really didn't. Um, <laughs> we just didn't really do anything. We 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 battled. We ran. And that was kind of it, you know. We didn't uh, didn't create like we used to. We didn't we didn't provide the service for for Salah that he so clearly needs. You know, he's, it was another one of those games where you felt like he was glued to the touchline and doing very little. 
I uh, think you um, said it at the time, probably when we were chatting on the way back. It felt like two things. It was a proper battle between ninth and tenth, I think it was, yeah. in the league. And that's just yeah. exactly what it looked like, aside from the reputation of the club. And like you said, we, we could have played for another 90 minutes. I'm not even convinced we'd have scored, to be honest. Yeah, it was. It was one of those where, it, it, I mean, you you just weren't sorry, sorry when the whistle went in the end. It was, uh, it, yeah, it was it was a, a tough watch, but maybe a step forward. You know, if you're if you're looking back at the Brighton and the Brentford games, you know, maybe maybe there's some signs of progress there. Yeah, they didn't get run over, and you know they they do have a pretty busy midfield. They pack it, and uh, it, it didn't swamp powers the way it maybe would have three weeks previous. So. If you're going to take anything from that one, I think it's that. Uh, and then we go on to our final game of the month, which is back down to Brighton, this time in the FA Cup. And uh, kind of the same story, really. We we competed better than we had in the first uh, fixture against Brighton, much better. Yeah. We actually competed where we didn't in the first one. We didn't look particularly sharp or clinical. I wasn't. I, I didn't at any stage think you know, we could run away with this if we get another or whatever. Um, but I did think we could win it. You know, for most of the game, I thought if someone was going to win it, it kind of flip of a coin could be us. It didn't go our way in the end. A great goal to win it for them. But definitely signs of of positivity there. I mean, overall in the month with all those games, I would maybe even hold that one as the most positive just because yeah. of, you can see the, the stark sort of contrast from the month we've had, you know, where it began, how bad it was, and kind of where we ended up, which is at least competing, if not winning. Um, yeah, so, I mean, t- to summarise, it was a dreadful month. Um, you don't get many months where Liverpool fail to win a league game, where they pick up a single point in the entire month, crash out the FA Cup, and suffer injuries, fail to um, fail to buy a midfielder that looks you know so sorely needed. So yeah, all, all in all, just not a good month, but possibly with some signs of positivity in there. Yeah, I'd, uh, I'd, I'd love to be able to disagree and sort of tear that apart, but it's really struggling. I think it probably tells its own tale when, as we say, the the Brighton defeat is, you know, one of the shouts for the positive of the month for any sort of green shoots of recovery. I think that tells it all. I mean, we, we, we want to be fair in certain instances. It's always got to be balanced, as we know. The Brighton second game is probably not quite the real positive. Is there any positives you generally look on, Mark, and think, player-wise, performance-wise, anything? Yeah, that's been a real positive this month. That's something to take into Feb and going forward at all. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design T-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise, and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. Yeah, there is, yeah. I've got I've got three, kind of. I've been mulling it over, and I think that... The, the, the three that stand out for me, I mean, signing Gakwa has to be a positive, doesn't it? Signing any yeah. sort of quality player, the great stats coming from uh, Holland, player of the year in Holland, and plenty going for him. He might not have started on fire, but it's still a huge positive to bring a guy like that in, especially because United were so clearly after him and we, we, we kind of showed our, you know, our standing in, in the world o- over them at this moment in time, if nothing else. Right. Uh, and the other two, Elliot, I thought, had a pretty good month, all things considered. A couple of good goals. Uh, in particular, the the one in the cup was a, a really great strike from him. Yeah. Uh, and then the final one, and I think I would use this as as my pick if, if I was forced to have only one, is I thought Badgetic was brilliant this month. I think it, it, almost every minute he played, he was... 
he was a standout. He he battled well. It was composed. You know, you don't want to like link him to people, but there's definitely like little Busquets sort of things about him. Um, and you know, for an 18 year old, he's played quite a few times previously, and a couple of times I've thought he's not there, he's not ready. You know, it's just it's not quite worked. This is the first time he's coming and had a wee spell where I think maybe he is. You know, maybe certainly he's playing at a higher level than Fabinho is. You know, I don't think you'd have much debate amongst fans of of who they'd rather see start right now tomorrow. Um, so yeah, Badgetich would be the, uh, the the kind of overall positive for me this month. Yeah, I, I had him as top and clear by some way. I think the biggest yeah. thing I like about him really is. We talked about needing a midfielder, and I'm saying this with a tin hat on because I know it's not what people want to hear, but he's really come to the fore. It's like we got one. It's just all the others that are probably letting us down somewhat, so to speak. Yeah, it's an interesting point that, I mean, you know, if you if you didn't know that he was, you know, a player from the, the academy and let's, you know, hypothetically he was a signing that came in and delivered that level of performance, I think you're really pleased with that. You know, you think we've kind of plugged a hole that we clearly had. Um, but like you said, the issue is that a couple of the ones that we have relied on so heavily, Henderson and Fabinho in particular, have been so below par that um, that it, it maybe doesn't feel like the positive it should. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd agree with that. And you're right, you're seeing a combativeness, you know, he, his energy, his legs, things we didn't have. But also, I think it sometimes gets ignored because of what we're lacking. Seems good on the ball. He is composed, you know, quite press resistant, I'd say as well. I do. It's hard to see it right now, but as a positive for me, I think there's a real player there, to be honest. And I think next season, I'm not going to say he's going to take the world by storm or go crazy, but he's at least a good, solid squad option for me. So, yeah, I'd agree with that. It looks like he's landed a position now where he's definitely going to be considered next season. You know, there's no loan, there's no nothing else. He's he's one of our midfielders next season. You know, whether that's starting or not, he's still going to be there or thereabouts. He's done enough already to sort of confirm that in my book. Yeah, 100%. So, yeah, the, the positive from the month is a, a clear winner for Wee Badge. No doubts about that. Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa, he does Anfield Index. He presents a tad predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. Christ, I don't even want to ask this because there's about <laughs> a million candidates realistically. If that's the... The biggest positive from the month? Christ, Mark, what is the biggest disappointment from you from January? Well, I'm going to do the same thing here and reel off my little shortlist and uh, <laughs> then I'll give you which one I think wins. So the, the the top candidates are, I thought Klopp had a really bad month. You know, you don't yeah. often, we haven't often said that about Klopp in his tenure at Liverpool, but I really do think he had a bad month for all sorts of reasons. He was too slow to make those changes in midfield. It was, like I said, in the Brighton game, the first one, we all knew what was coming there. And he should, because it was obvious. A couple of times I thought his subs let us down. Most recently in the, in the last game there, we we probably were in more control until we switched the midfield. And then yeah. once the old guys were on, it was back to that. We just had no control of the game at all. The midfield was being overrun and ultimately we go on to lose it. So I really don't think Klopp had a good month. Next up would be not signing the midfielder that we so sorely needed. Yeah. I think, I mean, that you know, that's been very well covered all over the place. It, it, it kind of beggar's belief for me that I, I, I would draw you back to the COVID season where we didn't, 
I mean, we did. We got Kabak and Davis in the final day, but you know, it wasn't. It wasn't what we needed. It w- wasn't enough to sustain a team that was top of the league at the time. And this felt like just a really similar place in time. You know, there's such an obvious one thing that we needed, and I, I think it could have been attained. And they, you know, they, for whatever reason, decided not to. Whether this, you know, saving it for Bellingham or, you know, if you believe that they couldn't find the quality required and all that sort of stuff, you hear. Yeah. Either way, I think that is a just a massive disappointment. Uh, obviously, going out the FA Cup, it has to be a disappointment, doesn't it? I mean, I went to the FA Cup final last year. It was maybe my favourite footballing experience ever. Uh, really brought back a little bit of the sort of magic of the cup for me. And so to think, you know, that we've kind of been robbed of another day like that down the line is uh, definitely a disappointment. We've ended up miles from fourth. That's a huge disappointment. And then probably this one will be my pick, which is the form of Henderson and Fabinho. It's, uh, I mean, Henderson kind of splits opinion generally and always has. Fabinho certainly hasn't. You know, we've all been huge Fabinho fans pretty much since the day he signed. So his decline's been surprising first first and foremost I really didn't see that coming you know he's, he's not sort of of the age yet where you think his legs will go um I'm not saying that they have but his form certainly looks like you know he's in quick decline um so his his form this month I think I would have to put down as my biggest disappointment he looks almost unplayable now uh, and not in the good way yeah it's I think yeah I, I was mulling it over and <laughs> Again, I wish I could sort of contradict it, but all of those things you, you mentioned are, are up there. I suppose I almost put two together. So when we're talking about the decline of Hendo, Fabinho, I almost link that to, I suppose you assume it together, don't you, the signing of a midfielder? Because you're looking and thinking, God, look at the senior players and what they're doing, like Klopp, FSG. We've got to get a midfielder in. Simple as that type of thing. So yeah. the fact that that didn't happen... I mean, to be honest, we're calling it a disappointment. I think it is probably right to say most people, are, there's a frustration, but angry. Just it feels like almost a, a willful neglect, so to speak. So, yeah, I'd, I'd love to argue different, but that transfer window and, and not getting on someone for, what I don't want to, you know, sounds harsh, but true, for Hendo and Fabinho, why they are the way they are at the moment. Desperate times, it really is. Yeah, and one thing I uh, I actually didn't mention earlier on that probably goes down as in a similar sort of bracket to Bajtic is Kite also had a little bit of a renaissance, you know, in midfield that month. While we're in the sort of midfield debate there of Fab and uh, Hendo going one way, Bajtic and maybe Kaita you could include going the other way uh, in the similar sort of thing. It might not be a new signing and he probably won't last won't last long till he's injured, but he could probably just uh, put himself in the list of positives as well. Well, you mentioned the magic name, so you'll have half the viewers going, yes, go on, that's absolutely correct. <laughs> and you'll have half thinking you've gone insane, calling you a soft lad and all the other stuff yeah. that goes with the Nabby Cater debate. But yeah, tragic to say, people, but let's be honest, there were so many disappointments in January. But yeah, yeah there we go. I suppose... Try, try and end January on a positive on the field then. There's a few you mentioned. You mentioned Badge, you mentioned Elliot and his goals. There's probably a, a few others in there. Not that many. I wish there was more we'd be talking about like a, a year ago, but your player of the month for Jan, who did you pick? Yeah, so I mean, the ones you mentioned there are all, uh, all in contention. Kanati's had a couple of big performances. Um, Thiago been pretty good throughout. Uh, Allison still, you know, a couple of slips, but still generally pretty solid. Yeah. But the truth is, uh, for me, Bajatic is head and shoulders player of the month. Not not just for his age, but for all the things we mentioned before. He he really has brought a lot to the table in sort of enthusiasm and running and tackling combativeness and uh, and just a, a little sprinkle of genuine midfield quality there proper composure on the ball I think uh, if anyone at the club is going to be happy with the month they've had it's uh, it's him Yeah I'd, I'd probably agree with that and I'd, I'd agree with the people you mentioned it's easy just to go everyone's been terrible but that's not quite the true story I think it's 
tragic in a way what's happened with Ibu because I felt almost like he's been holding the defence together at times on his own in January realistically and yeah, like you said Alisson the, the, the mistake against Wolves in the FA Cup yes we you know people are going to label that against him but overall we know he bails us out on a weekly basis Harvey with a few strikes I think that's been crucial because we're usually looking to the same people aren't we all the time like Salah or probably Nunes absolutely and while Moore's having a quiet month, I mean, you know, if 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 nobody else scores, we are in real trouble because Moore so often carries the you know the goal threat for us, uh, especially with Diaz, Jota, Firmino all sidelined. Yeah, and to be honest, it is good that someone else can maybe chip in with a few. I think probably what people are going to be screaming about, and I understand it, we didn't mention it, but just. We kind of did, actually, let me correct that, because you said about Klopp there and the unusual substitutions. And I also think sometimes the unusual starting positions, especially, you know, in the forward line, we've had Gakpo starting as the centre-forward, haven't we, almost like a defensive centre-forward, so to speak. Elliot on the left-hand side, there's been the that whole feeling or the question of, are we playing these guys in their best or strongest position to get the most from them? So... It will be interesting, especially with Nunes looking like he's back in training, what happens going forward. But yeah, I would love to tell you folks that there was plenty to enjoy on the field, but that was January, I'm afraid. So I'd love to also be able to pretend and tell you that when we're talking about off the field in January, it's going to get cheerier. But if we're honest, Mark, there's quite a bit to go through and we might struggle to raise a few smiles in all honesty. So we'll go through some bits one by one, and you've kind of mentioned it. There's nowhere else to start, isn't it, boys? Just slam shut the January transfer window. So Cody Gapo comes in, early doors. And let's be honest, everyone's quite buzzing with that. It's like, yes, it started. This is where we get it back. We'll get a midfielder in, no problems at all. And the window goes on, and no midfielders. And then, obviously, the, the whole suggestions about it's going to be summer, Bellingham, everything like that rolls on, yada, yada, yada. But then there's expectation of, all right, it might be an Arthur Mello type last minute deal, but we'll get something done. And it slams shut without one more senior player coming through the door at the AXA. I mean, I've got a good feeling I know where you're going with this, but your honest appraisal of that window? I mean, in short, it was pretty criminal for me to uh, to leave us that short in midfield in particular. It's, it's been, you know, the thing we've talked about most so far on this pod is is just how we are being overrun time and time again. We're now relying on an 18-year-old to, to, you know, correct that. And Kaita coming in who, you know, we're, we know very well you can't rely on for a long period of time without an injury. Thiago's never that far from an injury. The other two are really suffering in form. So... It's very hard to see that this midfield three that we're playing just now is going to see us through. Yeah. I think just bringing one more in, a proper set of legs, you know, like a, a, a Caicedo or someone like that, I really think not only could it have saved the midfield, I think it could have saved the season. I really do. I mean, if, if you think back to that COVID season, at our lowest point, top four looked dead and gone. And, you know, we're one of the very few clubs in the country that can put one of these runs together. And once, you know, that little bit of belief and momentum starts going, we, uh, you, you know, we, we might have seen another one of those Salah tweets with uh, a couple of months of the season to go where he declares, I'll do it. Get on my shoulders, boys. I'll carry us. Yeah. And Thiago, you know, he was kind of the same that year. He really, really stepped up. And I, th- I still think we've got the players to do that. And I, th- I just think the club could have really helped us on that journey by bringing in what we so sorely need. And I know they've got like, you know, eyes on Bellingham in the summer and, you know, there's all these stories of, oh, you know, it's going to happen. Don't worry. Just wait the time. You know, Dortmund won't sell now, all this sort of stuff. But there, there is an argument that I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. (laughs) This is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked, 
and guarantees me super fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac, and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes, and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. There are bigger things than bailing them out there, you know? I mean, we, we, could, yeah. we could miss out on Europe altogether and maybe that kills the Bellingham deal before it even, you know, before it even begins. So I really do think the choice not to sign a midfielder this this winter is criminal. And the worst thing about it is that they did this with the, like I touched on before, the Quebec and, uh, and Davis signings where it so clearly wasn't enough. And that's the thing with Klopp is, you know, he doesn't ask for the world. He, if, if you just gave him that one little extra piece now and again, you know, you really don't know how far he could take us kind of thing. And the, the sad sort of thing is, you know, he's been with us a long time, Klopp, and we've, we've, I mean, we've won it all, which is fantastic. You know, I ne- never dreamed I'd see Liverpool win all this stuff. But we have lost two European Cup finals, a third if you include the, the Europa League, and had two league titles just by a point taken from us. And you really do just think like it's these little moments, it's these, it's these windows where you can see we need that one little thing, just one more little thing. You know, maybe if we'd signed a Jota earlier, we would have got one of those titles. But, you know, you see like, yeah. like Kanati hasn't cost that much money, but you see the difference he's made, you know, that, that little bit of quality in youth. And I, I really do think if Klopp had had that extra guy just a couple more times during his tenure, he'd be looking at a couple of league titles, a couple of European Cups. Yeah, and, and again, wish I could disagree, but it's practically impossible not to. I mean, for for that window, like you said, it, we weren't, weren't asking for the earth. And this whole thing that there aren't the players out there, well, Christ, every other you know team, competitor, teams around us, however you want to put it, yeah. was doing business of some sort. Even the loans, you, you, see, you see like United and Leeds get these like loan signings in or Arsenal spent just whatever it was, 12 million on uh, Jorginho and... I, you know, I'm not saying these guys are all perfect for us, but it does show you the stuff out there. I mean, we, we aren't asking for the world. You know, it's really an 18 year old has come in and revitalized that entire team. So I, I really don't think the bar is that high for, for what could come in to make a marked improvement on what we have. Agree. And, for, and people are going to talk about things like, oh, Arthur Mello, and, and I know that's been an absolute disaster. No one can categorize it as anything. But, but the whole thing, even like, Keeping Nat, him not being able to go, that just added insult to injury. And you looked at that window, and like we said, it's those type of deals like McKenny going to Leeds for one million. Now, I'm not saying he's a world yeah. beater, but would he improve us right now? Christ, yes. That's not it hard to see yeah. at all. Even you look at players like even down the East Lanks, you look at it like Sabitzer are on loan. Again, is he top quality? No, not by any means. Is he better than what we've got for a loan deal right now? Yes, there's, there's no two ways about it. So, yeah, when you're looking at like our midfielders being comfortably outplayed by Brentford's, by Brighton's, you know, all these sort of teams, even Wolves at, at stages, the you know the quality that these teams sign isn't necessarily you know your Champions League winning midfielders. So our bar must be incredibly low at the moment for what could come in and get us to the level where we're at least competing with them. You know, forget or all these guys. We have to be competing with every Premier League team we play. Yeah, exactly that. Listen, we could go on about the transfer window all night. It's just been a... And it just feels this will roll and roll and it'll all be linked to the, the lack of signings. And speaking of the lack of signings, we've got to talk about the people who do sign the checks or supposedly so... Off the field, Mark, FSG. Now, the, the takeover talk rumbles, the, the takeover, the lack of investment, the whole, listen, we don't need to talk too much about sentiment in social media right now because Twitter's on fire a lot of the time, isn't it, around these guys? I mean, when you, 
we could speculate till the cows come home type of thing. But when you look at it, honestly, what are you seeing in FSG's mind right now? No signings in January at all. How how do you honestly think these guys are looking at it right now off the field? Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's hard to say exactly what they're thinking, isn't it? I mean, I, I prefer to look at this window kind of in the context of how they've behaved in every window, you know, and, and I don't see much different here than we've seen before. So I, I wouldn't speculate that maybe this is the exception that, you know, that now their minds have changed because of the sale. I think this is just more of what we've seen a lot of the time. And to give a little balance, I mean, I've, I've never been kind of staunchly against FSG. I mean, I, I don't think there's much argument that they've improved us off the field significantly. Two new stands, new training ground. We're now the newly crowned third, you know, most financially viable team in the world, and uh, and not just that, we've we've won. We've you know we've had also the best time I've had as a Liverpool supporter on the field. So on balance, you know, I don't think they've been poor owners. I don't think they've been the greatest owners either. Far from perfect, you know, they've made all their kind of high profile errors. But I, I think we have just reached a stage now where. Obviously, a lot of people talk about it, and that Coutinho sale obviously funded the Allison and Van Dyke signings, which elevated to the level that took us to all of those glories. And the problem is, the team we've had since then have kind of got old together. The superstars have, anyway, kind of maybe Trent aside. We've, uh, you know, we've seen Allison just spend the the best years of his career with us. Manny the same, Salah the same, Van Dyke the same. So there isn't really that guy to sell now for you know 140 million or whatever it may take to get the next two or three superstars that would build the next team, and you know we, we all kind of we all would have signed up for that if we knew we could keep those guys you know and have these years of watching them play this incredible football. We've been there or thereabouts the best team in Europe for you know five years. However. We now find ourselves in a position where we need the next team. And I just don't believe that FSG are the people to, to take us there because ultimately we do work on our, our sell-to-buy kind of process. And I just don't think, first of all, with what people are spending now on players, you know, you look at like what Chelsea have just outlaid for Enzo, oh, who yeah. practically nobody had heard of just six months ago. Um, I think it is becoming really difficult under their model to get where we need to be. So it, it, it's less about kind of what's on their mind for me as it is, are they what we need now? And, you know, I, I kind of find myself falling into the, I don't think they are anymore. You know, I kind of, I, I wouldn't mind the sort of, I mean, obviously they're trying to sell. I mean, I think they probably have come up with that same that same sort of uh, analysis as, as what yeah. given of we've kind of maxed this out here. And if we start falling out of Europe, then maybe the value starts to suffer a little bit. And this might be the optimum time to get all of, you know, everything we can out of Liverpool. We've, we've taken them as far as, as we can, and they've kind of taken us to as high as we can go. And maybe we, you know, maybe a handshake and a, an ending of this relationship is best for everybody now, I think. And and hopefully, I mean, you, you see with Chelsea, it doesn't have to be a state-owned, you know, it doesn't have to be oil money or whatever to uh, to elevate you to, to, to get the signings required. And like I said before, I really don't think Klopp needs that anyway. I think he just needs a little bit more, just a little bit more to get him that, you know, that extra one guy every window that, that elevates you to the level of instead of losing in league titles by a point here and there and Champions League finals losing, that you just get a few more of those over the line. Yeah, I, I, I'd agree largely with that. I think it will be interesting to see because all the talk isn't there, is it? It almost changes week by week now. Is it going to be a minor stake, so to speak? Is it going to be a yeah. full takeover? And the thing is, when you hear that, you think about probably what's needed, like you say, maybe the the lack of viable assets at the moment. So you, you talk about things like partial investment. Well, if it's partial investment, there's so many questions that raise, as in who's going to put in a, a partial chunk to only get the partial returns, not have a real say in how the clubs run? Is it, you know, it's hard to almost envisage that. How how is the model then going to change? Then, you know, because it's great saying that, but the partial investor is not going to have any say in the actual model, the operating style, are they? So it just seems 
utterly bizarre in that regard. A, and for me, it's kind of it's hard to it's hard to envisage a, a, you know a, an investor coming in buying a stake from FSG of of Liverpool and that just going straight into kind of our budgets. And even if it did, you know, is that just a one-time thing then? You know, is that money put in and when it's gone, it's gone? You know, if FSG is still the majority shareholders, it's hard, it's hard to see a, an actual policy shift with that minor investment, in my opinion. You know, it may turn out to be wrong there, but I, I just can't see that as the answer, really. Yeah, it's great talking about the summer, but there's going to be summers after that, players that need to be replaced, especially like you said, with this team going old. So yeah. how's that going to happen in the future? Yeah, I think this this will rumble on and rumble on for a, for a long time until this is resolved one way or the other. But a big epic fail from FSG, I think it's fair to say, for everyone off the field in January. And yeah. we'll probably round it off off the field-wise, mm-hmm. almost linking it to... The main man, because it all cut, you know, the centre of everything. It's it's been a difficult month for Jurgen Klopp in regards to the way he's appeared. I mean, difficult to get that image of almost the the hands together in the prayer style after the Brighton defeat, asking for yeah. forgiveness there. The the demeanour in press conferences as well, you know, almost that that snapping at Carl Markham when he asked about transfers that time. Even after the Brighton game, the defeat in the FA Cup, the the smile when asked about transfers and they're all good. I mean, it, it said anything, but didn't really his body language and his face, you know, told a completely different story. I mean, you have mentioned it, Mark, and it is right to talk about it. How do you actually think right now, because he's a loyal guy, we know that word, loyalty, Jurgen Klopp. How do you think Jurgen Klopp is actually feeling right now with everything that's going on and off the field? How do you surmise it? Yeah, it's, it's interesting because the month kind of started when the, the takeover talks were kind of fresh with Klopp looking pretty buoyant, I thought, you know, and he, yeah. he, he talked about it in a way I didn't really expect to see him talk about it where he was kind of pretty open that money coming in was good and signings are good, you know, and investment doesn't have to be bad and all those sort of noises. And I got like a, a genuine feeling of enthusiasm from him that he was encouraged that maybe he was finally going to get the tools that he, he thinks that he needs kind of thing. And uh, obviously the performances have, have knocked his demeanour anyway. But also yeah. just I felt there was like just a gradual decline in his mood as the month went on, as it became clear that that we weren't going to get that midfielder that, that he, in my opinion, really really wanted you know we but Klopp's kind of we haven't that's that's the issue here is we haven't made any secret that we want a midfielder Bellingham's very clearly our main target for the summer we tried to get to Chimeni who went to um, Madrid we've been heavily linked to Nunes to to Caicedo to various guys it's very very obvious Liverpool are looking for midfielders now the only reason you would look for a midfielder is if you need one isn't it so Klopp clearly knows he needs one and for me, he he will be disappointed that they didn't go and get him one. And I think we're seeing that. You know, they did the old, uh, you know, do you really think that if we if there wasn't one out there that I wouldn't be going to get him kind of thing? And I just think that's a bit sad. You know, it's you see all these other guys like Pep and things, and there's just no way they would be made to kind of face all that up alone, while the owners kind of remain faceless elsewhere. You know, answer, answering no questions of lack of investment. Klopp kind of, like you were saying, taking it all on his own shoulders and, and incredibly like not calling them out. I'm, I'm amazed that it's got this far. You know, he's seven years down or whatever and he's, he's still not calling them out for, for lack of investment. He, by, I mean, I know he does drop these hints and you see a little sort of cracking the makeup here and there, but by and large, he just says it's all okay. This is, you know, this is fine. I like my squad. I like the team. We're 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 in good shape. And it, it's kind of easy to draw parallels with maybe Rafa back in the the Hicks and Gillette days, where he went the other way and he, you know, he drew a line between him and the owners and kind of said, you know, I'm being forced to do this. I don't want to whatever sell Alonso to get Gareth Barry. I didn't want this. You know, this isn't the way I would have done it. And uh and Klopp just chooses not to do that. He chooses to chooses to stick with the owners, say they're good owners, you know, I'm happy with the squad, happy with what I've got. And uh, 
Yeah, I mean, again, if there is one criticism of him, it's 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 too loyal. Klopp, he's stuck by players, you know, maybe beyond what fans would have, and uh, he seems to have that same loyalty when it comes to the owners. He he doesn't want to just outright say, "I need one." I told them I need one, and they didn't get me one because I think he knows that he has so much power at the club that if he really did go that hard, it, it would cause you know somewhat of a civil war. I think the fans would would back him all the way if something like that was to come out. Yeah, I'd, I'd struggle to disagree with that. I suppose on the other side, you know Jurgen Klopp to say he's, he's always about the team, the club, you know, putting what's best for everyone. So it's the last thing he'd consider for those reasons. You know, anything like civil wars, the last thing Jurgen Klopp wants at the club. But but I completely agree. There was you always... You respect that though, don't you? I mean, that he's done that because, you know, yeah. Rafa, for example, took the other side, kind of, you know, the... I don't want to look bad here if things go wrong side. Now, Klopp could easily do that. He's got an enormous reputation and things aren't going that well at kind of a similar time that they didn't go well for him at Dortmund and Mainz. And, you know, you would, you, you, there are plenty of people out there who would defend their own position rather than looking for the greater good of the club. And that's just, you know, another sort of, another badge for Klopp, another, you know, another reason why, why we all love him so much. Yeah, and I'd agree with that. I suppose the one thing that will be interesting to see, I mean, Canate with his injury, it's probably never going to happen, but there is a part of me would love almost Jurgen Klopp to be questioned in some way. That's not not across the board, but you think of that Canate injury, and I think it's something like the stat was on their Twitter the other night, wasn't it? It's like it's either 17 or 19 hamstring injuries, I think it is, in the last six months, something along those lines, which is outstripping other clubs in the wrong way by a country mile. So even just things like that, the subs, it it just looks like all month, and especially as time's gone on in January, Jurgen Klopp has just needed some kind of a boost from somewhere, so to speak, and no one's given it in, really. Players, injuries, lack of signings. So it's been probably the, the toughest month for Jurgen Klopp that I can remember for a, a long, long time. So, yeah, fingers you, crossed. You probably argue it's his toughest month since he's been our manager. It, I mean, when, when you compile all the, all the list of things we've kind of touched on so far, it's enormous for, for a four-week stretch for all of that to have gone wrong. Those performances, lack yeah. of feelings, injuries to, again, like Kanati and Van Dyke at the same time, again. Uh, you know, just at the tail end of the month before Diaz goes down again, and he, he must really be cursing his luck. I mean, you, you don't see that happening anywhere else, all of these things all at once. And Klopp yeah. kind of feels like this character standing there at the front of it all, kind of alone, you know, taking it all on his own shoulders. Yeah, agreed. It's like his luck couldn't be any worse. And to be honest, at times, especially when you think of stuff like substitutions. A lot of what he's touched has turned to crap, in all honesty, hasn't it? It's just gone wrong, the decisions he's made. I think that's so. a nice way to put it. Yeah, a lot of what he's touched has, has just, you know, be it by skill or bad luck, has, has gone wrong. Yeah, indeed. So I suspect, off the field, especially with the questions about the window as well, Jurgen Klopp will be more than happy to see the back of January in in one way, Mark, I'm not going to lie, a lot of that depressed me, so I'm not too sad about putting a lid on that January for what it was. So we've got to move into February and with a bit of hope, a bit of belief, it's got to be there. So let's talk about, I suppose, honest expectations for the coming month. And I'm going to put you on the block a few times prediction-wise. So we look at the fixtures and, dear God, there's some meaty ones coming up. Start with Wolves away this weekend we got the Derby at home. God, I've never been more nervous about that for a long time. Newcastle away, Real Madrid, royalty, European royalty visit us for the first leg in the Champions League. Palace away to finish it. So there is some meaty, meaty fixtures there coming up. And hopefully we'll see a bit of a turn injury-wise as well. So we had the great, well, I great news, but great pictures that Bobby and VVD are back in training of some sort. Hopefully we might see Jota and possibly, with a bit of luck, Canate back. Christ, do I ever mention the Liverpool's Kaiser Soze and Arthur Mello even rumoured to be back at some <laughs> point in February that way? I suppose when you look at those games, everything, you know, the, the window finishing, everything that's coming up, the off-the-field rumbling on, how were you honestly feeling thinking about 
February and what's to come? Yeah, I mean, certainly, like you said, glad to see the back of January. And I do have a little bit of a feeling of can't get any worse. You know, we're uh, we've got quite a few fixtures there. Uh, I think our midfield looks a little better now. I think there's there's some reasons to be optimistic with with the the guys that are coming back to fitness. I mean, I, I think by the time we get everyone fit again, I still actually do, despite all the complaints, really like our first 11. You know, I still think there's a lot in there. And the closer we get to getting that 11 back on the field, the better. Uh, but I mean, obviously, there's still huge nerves going into February because our form's terrible. Uh, I, I don't confidently fancy us to beat anybody at the moment. Uh, that said, I think the Palace, Everton and Wolves games on paper should all be games we intend to win, you know, games that we go in expecting to win. Newcastle, maybe on a a slight decline at the moment compared to earlier in the season. Uh, So, I mean, if we have any hope of being top four, we really have to go and make a stab at that one. And then there's, there's the big one, Real Madrid. I mean, doesn't really get any bigger than that. We've we've seen quite a lot of them over the last few years. It's not particularly gone our way. Still think we maybe owe them one. Uh, it's a, it's a great game to elevate yourself. You know to to bring the club all back together. Everyone will be you know supporting like mad that night. It's, it's it maybe is one of those ones that you can kind of maybe kind of like a derby, as, as, even though we do have the derby. Is kind of form maybe goes out the window a little bit and. We get kind of a special uh, European night where we can maybe just pull out one of those classic Liverpool performances. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I mean, hard not to be nervous, but maybe a little optimism in there. Yeah. I mean, if Salah starts firing again, you know, something like that, don't think it would take much for us to turn a bit of a corner. Well, there's, there's some quotes came out there, wasn't there? It's hard to think it can get much worse. Mark Evans on the 2nd of February. We'll see if we're revisiting that quote at the end of the month. That'll be interesting to see. And it was good to see that we've gone, ladies and gents, through most of the pods without standard football talk. But it was good to hear in the derby, form goes out the window. It was good to hear that. Classic cliches. Love a classic cliche now and again. So, yeah, some, some, I suppose they're all big games. We're coming towards the or moving towards the business end with everything that's going on. And Christ, there might even be a few reschedulings, might there? Chelsea away, Wolves at home to fit in there as well. Who knows what's going to happen with those now we're out in the FA Cup. I suppose, not going to steal too much from February, but I'm really going to put you on the block because Eddie Red is going to argue the three biggest ones are Madrid at home for the Champions League for obvious reasons, the Derby, because it's the Derby, and United at home. So those are the you know the three biggest ones. The others are not small by any means, but without doubt, the three biggest ones. Lay it on the line, Mark. Madrid at home, Everton at home, United at home. If you had to pick just one you want to win above all the others, which one are you going for? Is that Newcastle United, you mean? Newcastle United. No, it's United, isn't it? It's the... Uh, United game at home, isn't it? They're March, aren't they? Oh, do you know what? Yes, sorry, I'm reading my figure wrong. Yeah, correction already. Sorry, it is. So let me cross one out there. I'm reading too far ahead. Good save you there. Thank you. So it's probably Madrid then, isn't it? And Everton is the derby. Yeah, and maybe Newcastle if you're looking at top four, uh, just for significance. Obviously, the other two are bigger are bigger uh, fixtures generally, but there's, there's a little more weight on the Newcastle game this year than than usual. Uh, but but for me, I, I think I'm, I'm, it's got to be Madrid for me because for a whole pile of reasons, really. Personally, I think top four is slipping away. I, I, I really think that's going to be difficult. That we're, we're fighting with so many teams to get there. We don't look like putting a serious run together at this moment. So I think maybe the knockout competition might just suit us a little more. There's a few other little factors on it as well. As like, I mean, if we are after Bellingham at least competing deep into the Champions League maybe looks, makes us look a little more punchy than you know than being just ninth in, in the league and out of every every cup. Yeah. Uh, also, I mean, Madrid are supposed to be one of the teams vying for them. So, you know, maybe getting one over on them also looks good for us. Right. But there's also a, 
kind of kind of a minor point, I guess, but still worth considering is with the changes to qualification for the Champions League going forward, including two from the your, your kind of coefficient standing. It, it becomes very valuable just to go deep into the competition year after year. And we're sitting quite pretty in that. So it doesn't come into effect this season, but it does next. So if we were to not qualify again next year, we would be, if we go deep this year, we'll be in really, really good standing to qualify for the Champions League anyway, regardless yeah. of the position. So I do think that's worth keeping in mind. And kind of for all those factors combined, I... Uh, I, I think the Madrid game is bigger than than the rest. Wow, what a statement. And to be fair, ladies and gents, it has been going swimming lakes. We've agreed on most things, but I cannot sit by. Like, like, I, I, it's got to be the derby. For everything that's happening at the moment, it's got to be the derby. I mean, come on, if we don't win that, Sean Dyche has come in, they've sold Anthony Gordon, they've signed no one. And he's got him doing bleep tests in February. You know, if we don't beat Everton in the derby at home, that for me is just absolute disaster. Can, can you imagine the scenes at the hot walk if they get at least a point or something <laughs> in the derby? I won't be at the hot walk if we lose that one. Exactly. You, you just, I can't, I can't imagine that. It's, it almost feels like it's not to save the season. And it sounds almost sad to say, but. I go into the Madrid game with little expectation, being honest. So if we get a result there... Maybe this is the way to look at it then. I'd rather beat Madrid, but I'd rather not lose to Everton. You know, if I had to pick one to win, I'd pick Madrid. If I pick one not to lose, I would pick the Derby. I'll have to disagree. We'll have to split hairs on that, I'm afraid. You've got to win the Derby. You've got to beat Everton. It's the, the only thing that's brought joy from this season is how bad it's been across Stanley Park. So, yeah, for me, three points against Everton are the absolute must for the month. But we'll okay. see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. And hopefully we're getting positive results, but that does seem a stretch. So we'll finish on a bit of a Mystic Meg one mark then for February. It's, it's difficult to predict. We know which one you'd rather win. You know, We're trying to be positive there. So a bit of a Mystic Meg one for you. February, you've talked about results on the field. Does anything significant happen off the field in February if you had to predict? Yeah, I mean, it, it really is a sort of guessing game at this stage uh, with that sort of thing. There, there have been rumours that, you know, February, you, we were going to see things happen in February. There was, um, there was a couple of articles uh, earlier in the month that said, for various reasons, it would be February before we heard anything kind of concrete. And it's been loads of rumours about who we're talking to, if it's Americans or Qataris or whatever it may be. But I think when pushed, I just don't think it will happen that quickly. So I tend to think we won't see that much in February. <clears throat> Maybe we'll get a little further down the line where we'll actually know kind of m- more concrete who who are involved in the process, how many serious contenders there are and kind of get some some real information on on the process because at the moment it's just enormous speculation we're really not getting anything from FSG or or the club themselves we've been fed little bits from journalists here and there but really nothing concrete at all so I, I would hope that we're at least at the stage where we where we know a little more about all of who's involved but I don't think we'll be near kind of signing on the dotted line. Fair enough. Interesting. I think, yeah, January almost felt like the month where, especially with the speculation, you needed your Arabic to English converter out a lot, didn't you, for the, for the stories that were breaking. I think that's a fair yeah, story. More than one person caught me out with, you know, writing some nonsense in, uh, in Arabic, and I, I hit the old uh, Twitter translate to, to read that. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to pretend I was the same. You shouldn't old enough to know better is probably the way you're putting it. I, I do hope, I do hope, when I'm serious, that, like you said, from what's what's been mentioned, especially when you think of the articles like the Sam Wallace one that's saying, expecting the picture to become clearer, especially in February around United and Liverpool. So yeah, that was, that so- was the article I was trying to think of. Yeah, that, uh, that was the one in particular that kind of came from left field from a pretty solid source there in, uh, in Sam Wallace, not the kind of guy who speculates on these sort of yeah. things. But that one kind of stood out where I thought, hmm, that's interesting. I wonder what he knows that, you know, that, that Pierce and Jones and such don't. 
Yeah, and I genuinely, it's maybe more in hope than expectation, but I would like to think that something comes out in terms of who are potential bidders or who's a known bidder, you know, something that gives real hope. Because the alternative is we could be getting, if nothing does happen to the end of February, we could be, you know, one foot out of the Champions League. You know, we'd have had a derby, so it'd be interesting to see how that's gone down. It, it could be looking, it's, you know, without wanting to sort of worry people even further, it could be looking even worse by the end of February. So hopefully it feels quite a distinctive month off the field. So I'm going to shirt mark a little bit. I think something, I'd, I know that is the vaguest politician answer ever, but... I'm going to say something breaks off the field in February that just gives us a little hope, but that's probably the right word over expectation. So we will see what comes up in February. And that's latest. I I certainly hope you're right because, I mean, even the the summer window kind of looms over it all, doesn't it? You mean, like you touched earlier, if if we don't get uh, anyone in, who knows what what the summer window will bring? I mean, we really couldn't afford another window like the one we just had. So you really do have to hope that kind of sooner rather than later, something real happens on the on the investment front. Yeah, and you try and stay away from it or try to, but tensions may <laughs> well boil over as well at some point. We know how bad it's been recently. So, ladies and gentlemen. That is the end of our inaugural, our very first Red Alert podcast for January. So it's been my absolute pleasure to be joined by Mark to talk about January on and off the field. Fingers crossed, we are talking more positive things come the end of February. So we're signing off. Enjoy your morning, afternoon or evening. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.